Welcome to the first episode of the South Africa Institute of Government Auditors Accountability Program. And uh, in this discussion, we're going to look at the speech given by the President, the State of the Nation Address, after 30 years of ANC's governance. And this happens in the year of the elections. Uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa gave the speech last night, and I invited Two scholars based in Johannesburg, Dr. Bongani Nolunga, director of Johannesburg Institute of Advanced Studies, to be with us. He's worked in the government, so he's very familiar with uh, some of the goings-on in the public sector. And uh, also Dr. Lumkile Mondi, who has also worked in the government sector, but currently is senior lecturer of economics at the Wirtz Business School. So, gentlemen, welcome. Thanks very much for agreeing to talk to me about what the president uh, reflected on yesterday. And he used the metaphor of uh, Tinsualo to give us a sense of how South Africa has progressed or how things have developed over time, over the past 30 years of ANC being in charge. But I'm asking you, Dr. Nolunga, do you think that the metaphor that the president gave and the story that he told about Tinsualo is a reasonable, a fair reflection of the state of South Africa from 1994 until now? Well, thank you very much, uh, Pratim, for inviting me. I mean, it was a clever rhetorical device. I mean, I, I thought it was pretty effective because he could have spent quite a lot of time, I mean, coming up with statistics that other people may have disputed. I mean, so it was a clever way of showing how South Africa has progressed over the past 30 years. There is, of course, another side to the coin. I mean, the... The Tinsualo story that the president told is true in, in some respect. I mean, but there is also another side of the coin that there are millions others out there, I mean, who have been failed by the democracy over the past 30 years. And I, I think uh, depending on where you stand, I mean, listening to him yesterday, I mean, I could identify myself, I mean, in the Tinsualo story, that just in a generation, Africa has changed so much. I don't think that we should take that away from what has been achieved collectively by all South Africans, including government itself. But there are people over the past 30 years who have had it tough, I mean, who have been failed by our education system, who have been failed by the criminal justice system. Their story matters too. I mean, so when a president gives a state of the nation address that covers the three decades, he has to pay attention to those stories too, because they are also South African stories. But of course, the president excluded those stories in the in the story that he told, using, of course, the Tinsualo metaphor. Dr. Lumkidemondi, what was your take of the use of the Tinsualo metaphor to tell the 30-year story by the president? I think, uh, as Dr. Mulunga has uh, put it, uh, rhetorically, uh, very fascinating, but you know, a very sad tale about um, South Africa's economic performance in the past 30 years from a democratic country that boomed and created so many opportunities that Dinsualo has benefited uh, to a very sad state whereby all those gains are being being reversed. So the Dinsualos that you mentioned that are born uh, in the 2010 during the World Cup, 
will be in a far worse position than the swallow that uh, the president was talking to. So, so for me, that's the real the sad tale that, uh, yes, those benefits of Tinsualo came from the first 15 years, but thereafter, it's we've just been going down. Uh, you know, if you look uh, at the uh, the size of manufacturing and other sectors have been declining. Uh, our economy is much smaller than it was, for example, in 2013. Um, and hence, these uh, reverse of the gains that Tinsualo has benefited from uh, going forward under the ANC government. Now, the president isolated a particular period and uh, told us about the 10 wasted years, highlighted the corruption of the era, and that was the time of the former president, Jacob Zuma. And this suggests, in the remarks that he made, that corruption is now over or under control, that it was out of hand when it was uh, President Zuma's tenure. But is that true about the state of affairs within the public sector this, at this time, Dr. Ngulunga? Yeah, I thought, um, I mean, the attention that the president paid uh, to the theme of state capture, generally. And and I think for the first time, I mean, since he became president, I mean, over five years ago, I thought what was remarkable about what he said, I mean, was just how bold and emphatic he was, I mean, about... Uh, the, the state capture, the tenure of uh, former President Zuma, five years of which, of course, the president was part of as, 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 as deputy president. And sometimes um, when uh, I mean, some of the leaders of government I mean, talk about that period, I mean, it's quite interesting that they do not mention that at some point, I mean, during that decade, they occupied senior positions in, in government. I mean, of course, there is a level of, uh, accountability that I think um, should also be demanded of them. I mean, that they also should be accountable for what happened in the decade. But I, I think the difficulty for the president, in a sense, is that some of the people who were implicated in the report of the Zondo Commission, some of them are still in his cabinet. <laughs> so, I mean, so the difficulty for him, he cannot just talk about those years as if they are the past, they are also part of his present, because some of of the of the characters who were mentioned are there in the NEC, they are there in his own cabinet. But I think if you were to ask just um, a South African in the street and ask what do you think? I mean, is there corruption in government? Is it worse or or, or better? I think a large majority of them will tell you that actually things have not gotten better over the past uh, five years. This is not disputing, and I think we need to emphasize this. This is not disputing what the president said. I mean, all the measures that he has put in place, I mean, in the NPA, um, in uh, in the investigative capacity of the country, because those are there for all to see. But I just think that corruption in South Africa has become deeply entrenched. And, and part of the problem is that some of the actors, I mean, some of them are still there. And I think it is difficult for political reasons, perhaps, for the president to deal with those. Well, I suppose when you talk or deal with corruption, that credibility becomes key, especially when the president speaks um, on that particular topic, because it's been a cancer in our society for, for an extended period of time. And the effects thereof are being felt in the social, the delivery of social services, 
in uh, the performance of the economy and so on. But Dr. Lumkile Mondi, what was your take on the president's remarks regarding corruption? I, I was really, very disappointed. Uh, remember, Tim, that uh, we still got a story of dollars under the couch uh, that we still don't know uh, how they came about. Uh, we all have got stories uh, about what might have transpired. So, you know, uh, and again, uh, the point that Dr. Ngolunga is making uh, in relation to him being the deputy president uh, and that many of his colleagues, whether it's Gwede Mantashe, uh, are still in his cabinet. Uh, therefore, uh, that for me uh, was really one of the weaknesses that we've seen under ANC government, that of taking responsibility and accountability, that in the past 30, 30 years, we've only known one government, of course, with different presidents uh, who are all members of the ANC. Therefore, he cannot separate himself from the past 10 years. Even if it was President Zuma, he was part of that. Even if he was not a deputy president, as an ANC leader, uh, he was part of the 30 years uh, of mismanaging and now in the past few years of institutionalizing corruption where people are bold because they know that there are no consequences. So ordinary South Africans pay their way out for everything. You pay your way out uh, to get uh, in front of the queue. You pay your way out uh, to get faster payments uh, in the social account system. So it's very, very hard for South Africans that in their daily experiences, uh, they have to pay for everything. In fact, even us, we are sometimes when I'm traveling, I'm going through security. I'm being asked if I can provide a cold drink. Uh, so the expectation that people are owed something and therefore they need to be remunerated for uh, has become a bigger problem of an institutionalized corruption where it's become part of our lives. So as really, I didn't think that the president accounted at all for that. And I think uh, the ANC needs to be made to pay um, for this because once we go that route, we've seen elsewhere, it's difficult to erode. Particularly when you're underfunding the very same institution that was talking to, the NPA, the Independent Police Directorate, and many other institutions are underfunded. We should be putting more resources, if we're serious about it, should be putting more resources into these institutions so that they can hire a variety of skilled people who can be able to investigate, follow through, and then nail these people. And then at that point, I think many South Africans, when they see these big fishes like Mantash and many others uh, being made to account, I think our perception and anyone standing on the podium, be it a sauna or any other podium, talking about corruption, we will start taking them seriously. Now, President spoke extensively about the 30 years of the ANC go- uh, governance of the country. But let's look at the his era as president, right? He's the fourth president of South Africa. I'm excluding uh, Kalima Mutlante as the former president because he was a stand-in president. So from uh, Nelson Mandela, Tabo Mbeki, Jacob Zuma, two terms, two terms Tabo Mbeki, even though it was cut short, and now six years of Cyril Ramaphosa as president. How do we assess his performance so far? Because we're going to have elections in a few months' time, and um, he has been president for about six, six years or so. How do you think he has performed so far? What stands out for you, Dr. Ngolunga? 
ah, man, this is uh, tough. I mean, because in a sense, his speech was an explanation for, in some respect, non-performance, right? I mean, the fact that he spent so much time talking about it was state capture and the damage that it caused. He spoke about uh, the economic crisis. He spoke about COVID-19. He spoke about the riots in July um, 2022. All of those, I mean, when you sat back and thought about them, I mean, why why did they have to get into the speech? It was, in a sense, an explanation of why things have not the, gone the way he wanted them to go. And so, but... I mean, there are many ways in which you can assess a presidency. I mean, we can assess it in its own terms. Um, I mean, in its own terms, in the sense of when he started, what did he say were the main priorities? What did he say he wanted to achieve? I mean, if you remember, he said he was going to deal with the issue of the economy, of economic growth and unemployment. He said he was going to deal with the issue of crime. Uh, safety and security. In fact, if you look at the priorities of government, building state capacity, making sure that you deal with crime, is why it is the number one priority if you check uh, the medium-term strategic framework I mean, of government. Uh, the economy is the second one. And, um, and so there are some objective measures. I mean, I think if you were to ask Africans and just look at the data, I mean, the levels of criminality in South Africa have worsened, I mean, over the past five years. I mean, as I say, I mean, this is not to say that there are no attempts to deal with them, but the fact of the matter is that the levels of criminality in South Africa have just uh, worsened, um, maybe over the past decade or so, but I think we feel it now more than we have ever felt before. Youth unemployment is uh, is high. I mean, sometimes it is estimated to be in the in the fifties. Um, I think President Ramaphosa was unlucky in certain instances. I mean, we have to concede to that. I don't think that any of us would have predicted that we will have a crisis like we had. I mean, during COVID, where everything literally shut down. But there have also been own goals. I mean, I, I think. The transnet situation, I mean, that has robbed South Africa of the opportunities of commodity booms, I mean, in other parts of the world. It's quite extraordinary that uh, the situation has gone so bad, I mean, when it comes to logistics, transport logistics. I I, I do think that um, perhaps not enough or sufficient attention has been paid, I mean, to addressing a major crisis, perhaps more than any, in South Africa, which is youth unemployment. I mean, and I think part of it actually is because some of the people who have not enjoyed the fruits of freedom are the most politically marginalized. I mean, so they do not have the voice. And so even though they are mentioned, but nothing really substantive, I mean, gets done. So if you were to ask me to give you a sentence, I think it has been a mixed record. Um, it has been a mixed record when it comes to Thanks very much, uh, Dr. Bongani Nolunga. And uh, Dr. Lumkilemondi, anything that stands out during President Cyril's, uh, Ramaphosa's presidency over the past six years? Uh, so he, in 2019, uh, Tim, we had about 30 days of load shedding for the whole year. Uh, it, in, in Under his reign, uh, we have had uh, about 335 days of load shedding. So every, almost 
uh, you know, if you divide over five, uh, he's outperformed uh, that annual number of 30 days uh, in 2019. But also, if you look at our national debt, uh, we had a national debt of about $166 billion in 2019. It's almost double. We're now at $298 billion of debt that we owe. More importantly, our economy is worse in terms of growth than it's been uh, during this period. So therefore, uh, he's basically uh, watched over and stood over uh, a, a crisis and did nothing about. Totangalunga um, talks about the, the collapse of the, of the, of the logistic chain, uh, which has cost us billions of money. And we know that very few people have been made to account. The syndicates are everywhere. So it's really very, very sad where many of us basically see him as the hands of president who's very good at articulating his, his, in his speeches, but very short on performance and calling his colleagues to account for mishandling the economy. So I'm not really uh, impressed with the president, given that, you know, he's really does not take those bold decisions that are required, uh, be it uh, the, 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 the logistic where the Minister of Transport was dismal, be it uh, the failure of the Minister of Public Enterprise uh, in his, his portfolio, uh, you know, uh, he's been dismal. So it is that... Uh, lack of action coming from him that is a talker but not an action so no sense of urgency this is what i, I think i'm i'm getting from you gentlemen dr Tangulunga, do you think the president could have performed better in terms of getting things going in an urgent way particularly on the economic front and the other areas of public life in south africa i think he wanted to do better um i think he has primarily his problem is political. Um, I, I think, um, I mean, he came as a reformer and found an organization that he leads with entrenched interest. I mean, um, people, I mean, just take the energy issue that uh, Dr. Moni is talking about. Uh, I mean, you know, and, and there have been reports about fights, especially between the Minister of uh, of minerals and energy and the Minister of Public Enterprises, which for a long time um, stalled reform, I mean, in the in the energy sector. I mean, the president will say we'll do A, B, C, and D, and then the following morning you read that a particular minister doesn't agree and therefore nothing happens, which led him later on, I mean, because there was a political stalemate between the two ministers, which led him, led him later on to appoint a minister of electricity because he couldn't get two of the most powerful ministers in his cabinet to do anything about what he wanted to be done in the energy sector. Look at each and every one of the areas, policy areas, where there's been failure. At the heart of it is just the problem of political management. I mean, And I think this is partly because the coalition that brought him to power, and this is something that we do not talk about much, the, the coalition that brought him to power in Nazareth 1 was a, a very fragile coalition. 
right? I think we do not know what is going to happen in the elections. Perhaps uh, politically he is a stronger man. Some of the people who are his opponents in the ANC are out of it now. The Secretary General is out. Uh, well, former President Zuma appears to be out, depending on, on the final outcome. I think it is going to be very difficult for him if the ANC wins again uh, to explain failure in a sense. I mean, I'm not using that as an excuse, politics as an excuse, but if you look at it, uh, a president needs power to change things. I mean, I've always felt that he's a president of the ANC in name only in certain instances. He doesn't have the power that he needs to do the kinds of things that he wants to do. Now, on the back of what you've just said, then, the, the politics seem, uh, the politics within the ANC could be weighing heavily on his authority to do things in a much faster way, in, a, in an urgent way, in an authoritative way. But how does this then um, affect the capacity of the state to deliver on the many promises that the president himself has made? I'm looking at not only national government and the respective departments that have been mentioned here, but looking at the provincial governments, for instance. There are many of them that are not performing at all or not as best as they should. And then you get to the municipal level. In many instances, the situation seems to have worsened much more than at national level. What, what is your view, Dr. Lumkilemondi, about that, the state capacity to deliver both national, I mean, on, 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 on all spheres of government, from national departments, provincial, and municipal? You know, Jim, across the whole system of governance that you've mentioned, local, provincial, and, and national, we do, we do have uh, men and women and they who are exceptional, who are committed to public service, uh, who can be able to effect the 1996 dream of our constitution. And Dr. Ngolunga put it very, very, very well. We have a political problem. Uh, as long as uh, the ANC, uh, in this case, our president, is unable uh, to make the hard decision and take the hard choices that our country demands at this juncture, it means that the political appointees will continuously undermine the men, women, and they who are capable within a government who can be able, under the leadership that is able to take the hard choices that are required today uh, to effectively deliver on the promises of 1996. So that's really, for me, the biggest question is that uh, for with the election coming, it is very clear to me that as long as the ANC is going to be in power, we're always going to have this problem that Tutankhamunga talks to, a political problem. So therefore, our performance and uh, in terms of effecting our constitutional mandate uh, in the state is going to be undermined. So that's a dilemma. I think that's the dilemma that faces South Africans. It is a political problem. At, at the center of that political problem is the ANC. Dr. Mulunga, let's uh, go back to the point made by Dr. Mondi earlier on that the economy has actually been shrinking over the past 10 years or so, that it's now smaller than it was in 2013. And obviously the population has increased substantially during the same period, which means per capita, the lives of South Africans in an economic sense have gone down. 
And you've also used the word own goals that have been scored. You know, own goals are the types of mistakes that are avoidable. So why were the own goals scored? The avoidable things that we are experiencing that are causing hardships continuing to happen instead of reversing that and actually improving on the performance of certain areas of um, uh, uh, government influence? I think, I mean, as I said, um, it's critical to understand perhaps, as we said, the politics of the ANC itself. I mean, because there is an interesting phenomenon and, and perhaps that is the difference between the current president and say President Tabombeke, for instance, who, when he was president of the ANC, I don't think there was doubt that he was the man in charge. But what has happened over the past 15, 10, 15 years is what you could call uh, the provincialization of the ANC itself. We have provincial boroughs and sometimes uh, regional boroughs, I mean, who, who control power. And so if you are an ambitious politician, you want to get to the NEC or become deputy president or the president, you need support of these people. And so even if they do wrong, you cannot do anything against them because you need their political support either to get to the position itself or to keep it. I mean, we have had many instances in the past few years during the tenure of the current president where one of the powerful either ministers or provincial leaders does something wrong and the president doesn't do anything about it. It's not because he doesn't see that things are wrong. It's because he has political constraints. I mean, he cannot act against a political ally that he needs for political support. And so when you see most of the mistakes that have been made is not because the president or the cabinet doesn't know any better. They know it's because they have a political problem that they cannot act against the culprits because those culprits have political bases inside the ANC that they use uh, either to support the president. That is the reason why I say at the heart of our economic problems in South Africa or any problem, it's the problem of politics. I mean, as long as that is not addressed, it is going to become difficult. And just as a final point, Tim, as the ANC becomes weaker, right, um, those who hold power either at a local level, regional or, or provincial level become even more powerful to decide the fate of, uh, of uh, national leaders. And it's just interesting. I mean, Ramaphosa is the last national leader of the ANC will have. Check is uh, NEC or the top six. Most of those people come from provinces. I mean, they were provincial leaders. And so what happens then for somebody to go to the top, there are these uh, dealings, I mean, political dealings, then you get a powerful provincial leader who gets to the national stage. And so I think the more the fracturing of the ANC happens, the more deeper the political problem is going to be. And it will affect all of us as it is doing right now. Now, that is in as far as so many um, issues that you have addressed, right? We've spoken about the economy, we've spoken about uh, uh, safety of citizens and uh, other aspects of our lives. But the government, the president announced that there's going to be a national health insurance um, uh, plan, and he insisted that that is going to be signed into law um, in the next couple of months or so. Just before the elections, it appears that is what is likely to happen. Will 
proper public health care be delivered in an environment that you, Dr. Ngulunga, has just described? What do you think, Dr. Mondi? Will the NHI in the South African context work, given the politics and given the way the public sector works at this time? Unfortunately, Tim, uh, we had uh, a big number uh, in December uh, of our medical students that graduated. Uh, and some of them are not going to be employed. They'll be basically having uh, uh, MPSHP degrees, but without any opportunity to practice the skills that they've acquired. Um, so therefore, meaning that uh, that sector is highly strained at the moment. We have read stories uh, in Gauteng uh, and children dying uh, and people being turned away. Uh, and that applies across the, the nation, in fact. So in reality, there the are challenges in the public health sector, uh, as well as education. I think that Kitangulonga did talk about it initially at the beginning of our discussion. But but there is a problem with the law itself. So we are expecting quite a number of uh, institutions going to the Constitutional Court and taking on this law, should it be signed, this bill be signed. So I don't think, I don't think, I think we're too far away from uh, nationalizing uh, the health sector. I think up until that the state shows uh, its cap- capacity and capability uh, to do good for the public, I think there's a stronger case at the court to be put that at the moment we don't reform as fast as we want to. We allow the state to, to fix its house and then we can then discuss about a national health scheme that ensures that a health like education is accessible to all. The question of ANC politics impacting on the state capacity to deliver on so many fronts is, has been highlighted numerous times in this conversation. Now, do we have, and we are also very much aware of the different issues, challenges that face our nation, but do we have a clearly thought-through strategy, Dr. Nulunga, you think, to get South Africa out of its current troubles? Did you pick that up in the president's speech? Did he craft a vision for you and support that vision with a strategy of how South Africa is going to be moved forward that you found satisfactory or that gave you confidence that uh, South Africa is headed in the right direction? It's a it's a difficult question. I mean, I do not think South Africa. I mean, South Africans are pretty good. I mean, with their visions, uh, team and, and and strategies. I mean, the problem has always been um, to get those implemented. I mean, I mean, there is something that the president doesn't talk about, and he chaired it. It was called uh, the National Development Plan. Nobody talks about it anymore. Because uh, it would be embarrassing to talk about it. I mean, because if you look at the targets and where we are, we'll never meet them. So the best way is just to, to keep quiet. I I have, uh, I mean, he said all the nice things. I mean, uh, our presidents have been saying good things, I mean, for, for a long time. And we are where we are. We are, we are where we are. And um, I think what it will take to turn South Africa around in a sense, um, I think is, I'm tempted to say it's a political transformation of sorts. I think we have to start as just citizens, as ordinary South Africans perhaps, to look less 
at our political leaders and rely more at ourselves, at renewing our democracy. Because I do think that the political problems that we have spoken about have drastically undermined our democracy and it requires renewal. And at the heart of that renewal should just be ordinary South Africans, I mean, whose interests sometimes are not thought about when some of these decisions are taken. Um, I think that is what it will take for South Africa to get to it. It, it has to get to active citizenry because to rely on some political messiahs, I think it has proven over the past uh, decades that it just doesn't work. I mean, if anything, it makes the situation worse. Well, if we are going to get going and get things to be done the right way, deliver on the NDP and any other promises that have been made or plans that have been formulated in the past, we'd also need to improve morale, I suppose, like you say, Dr. Nulunga, at least uh, the public or the society at large. But what do you think, uh, Dr. Mondi, morale within the government circles in the public sector? Do you detect such morale, willingness on the part of public servants to make sure that things like or policies such as the NDP are delivered on or whatever vision we may be discussing or having formulated is being delivered on? I think, Tim, uh, with the right leadership, uh, as I was saying earlier, uh, our public service uh, uh, institution and individuals who are working in the public sector um, will deliver on our 1996 constitution. As I said earlier, it's a political constraint that these uh, highly educated, well-trained people uh, face, that they, they're facing leaders, some of whom aren't qualified to lead the, 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 the ministries that, that they're leading. So with that constraint, you know, uh, it hides the capability that's embedded and that is there. So by uh, a political constraint, which requires something different, uh, I think Jatangulunga didn't want to say it because it's a very loaded term. Uh, the, the Americans use it all the time. They call it regime change. That in as much as we uh, organize ourselves and take a responsibility as citizens, uh, it's also important that to make the right political choices because uh, the, the, the president uh, and the ANC uh, policies are suggesting to us that they are basically giving every responsibility to the citizen and the private sector. So we now have to provide ourselves, ourselves uh, electricity-wise. So electricity is no longer a public good, it's not a private good. Um, we, in terms of uh, security, all of us, part of the middle class, uh, has got an education. We all have got private uh, uh, education um, and security. Similarly, with the provision of the infrastructure, be it roads, rail, um, the state is talking about private sector playing a bigger role. So it seems to me that what we've understood, particularly uh, from the NC government, as a government of the people that will put people first, it's now saying we cannot do it. Do it for yourselves. And in the private sector, uh, our institutions are weak. Go come and do it and help us do it. So the ANC and under President Ramaphosa seems to admit that they're incapable and therefore leaving things to us to do and then to private sector to do in, in the economic sphere. And really what concerns me 
is the creation of enclaves. So you're going to find us being deep, already deeply divided because of our past. But now we're going to be more deeply divided around class, whereby there'll be enclaves of very poor communities that are unable to organize themselves and therefore are dependent on the state, which cannot deliver. And those in the middle classes that uh, are wired or walled and are able to do things on their own, uh, completely dislocated from the other part of society. That's the scary thought I have and the scary vision I have about South Africa if we continue this route that you've been echoing in the past few years. One could call it the entrenchment of economic apartheid, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Well, Dr. Lumkilemondi, thanks very much for joining us uh, via telephone. We appreciated your comments. And Dr. Bongani Nolunga of uh, University of Johannesburg, thanks as well for having joined us here and having this discussion as we reviewed the State of the Nations address by President Cyril Ramaphosa. And uh, this probably is the last one for the current administration until uh, post-elections. We'll see what happens then. And we were talking about public accountability. And it's our first episode that is brought to you by the South African Institute of Government Auditors. I'm Tim Modise. Thanks very much for having participated and uh, joined us in this discussion. Till next time. Another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.